سلم تسليم كثيرة Welcome to this course insha'Allah from the book of Imam al-Ghazali Ihya' Ulum al-Din The Revivication of the Islamic Sciences and on the chapter of Kasr al-Shahwatayn Riyadat al-Nafs Kasr al-Shahwatayn The chapter of exercising one's nafs and the breaking of the two desires Obviously, this is a significant work by Imam al-Ghazali, which in itself, is, is a, in the title itself, it says quite a lot. It's bringing to life the religious practices. Uh, and he himself says about, uh, that he, when he went into the journey of, يعني, um, when his father had put him into the um, care of uh, the, the Sufi teacher there, he put him in the, in the school, I think it was the Nizamiya, and uh, he said that we went for uh, other purposes, but there was only one. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had set that purpose for, um, for them. And whoever seeks a path in, the, in, in knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the path or the destination of that path in Jannah, inshallah. So inshallah, may Allah include us all in that. Um, and we're very uh, honored to have uh, Sheikh Ahmed uh, Muhammad Saad Al Hassani who uh, is, a, is a scholar from, uh, originally from Egypt, from uh, Al-Munufiya in Egypt, where there's a, a long succession of scholars uh, who come from that area. So it is a very blessed part of Egypt. Uh, amongst them, Al-Bayjuri, Dean Subki, amongst many others. Um, uh, Sheikh uh, Ahmed Saad Al-Azhari um, uh, studied first under the tutelage of his own father, memorized the Qur'an at the age of 15, memorized Riyadh al-Salihin at that time as well, and was leading prayers at 13 and giving khutbahs at 15. Um, he also uh, continued his studies, completed um, uh, his studies in Al-Azhar, sorry, <laughs> uh, in, please forgive me, on the year, um, <laughs> I do apologize. I'll, if, if you want the exact details, I will, I will give you. And he has many great uh, teachers who are, who are currently uh, amongst them Habib Omar, uh, Sheikh Muhammad uh, 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 Ibrahim Abdul Bafid Kitani, uh, and, and others, inshallah. Just a few notes about health and safety. Um, your main exit when you leave this building is where you came in from, so that's where you would be going. Similarly, um, your, uh, the toilets are upstairs. We've obviously um, lost about 10 minutes in the start, so each session will be 45 minutes. We'll be having a 10 minute break in between each session, and then your main lunch break will be approximately about 1.40. Um, if you have, we can make an arrangement with one of the local uh, restaurants who have uh, offered a discount if you want, but then that would be at the break. You'd come to, to myself or one of the sis um, sister Suzanne, maybe, and, uh, and then we can take your details and sort that out so that it cuts on traveling out and about. Um, and then we will we'll start with our. With our. Jazakum Allah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي
Alhamdulillah, this, uh, this chapter of Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya Ulum al-Din, the, the breaking of the two desires, which is uh, one of the books in, uh, in, in Imam al-Ghazali's uh, plan um, uh, on disciplining of the soul, disciplining the soul and breaking the two desires, is very crucial and very important, and, and very, is very timely as well. Uh, the timeliness of this is, is, uh, is the fact that we do live at a, at a world that is full of sensualization uh, uh, and um, a world that addresses desires. We live at a time where people are facing uh, floods of promotions and advertisements and things that incite their desires to eat and to drink and to enjoy and this is related to a form of thinking that this is the end, that this world is the end. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a striking text in the Quran where he subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ahqaf, وَيَوْمَ يُعْرَضُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا عَلَى النَّارِ أَذْهَبْتُمْ طَيِّبَاتِكُمْ فِي حَيَاتِكُمْ الدُّنْيَا وَاسْتَمْتَعْتُمْ بِهَا When the disbelievers are subjected to the hellfire, they will be told, you have consumed and you have used all your pleasures in the world and you have enjoyed it to the full. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is teaching us or is telling us that this world is in reality uh, a passage to the hereafter. If you use all the pleasures in this world, what would be remaining for you to enjoy in the hereafter? And the, the danger of, 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 of what is happening today is that it magnifies desire and makes it the central thing in the life of man. That man's activities go around desires. That man's activities focus around desires. That man's day function and revolve around how can he or she uh, use his desire and uh, satisfy his desire and makes the, the satisfaction of desire a really crucial thing in deciding man's actions and uh, man's relationships and man's uh, uh, idea of the world. So man becomes in this, in this sense uh, a slave for his desire. He is downgraded from being the, in control of the, of the desire to being a follower of the desire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us uh, that animals are the ones who are normally driven by their desires. Uh, even with the little primordial nature that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instilled in them, this tabi'ah, this nature Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them, they know when to stop and when to continue in satisfying their desires. But when a human being just makes his life go around the desire, then the time that is dedicated to his desire is not only confined to the time of satisfying it. It starts from the time he plans uh, to, uh, to, to, do that, to do that and continues from one desire to another. Take food, for example. How much time do we spend in thinking about food? And we will see in, uh, in, this, uh, in this chapter what Imam al-Ghazali mentions that uh, the experience of food is not just about eating. It's more than that. The desire of food is different from the appetite. The desire of eating is different from eating itself. Eating is something that is related to the stomach. While the desire of eating is related to the enjoyment of looking at food, the enjoyment of thinking about food, the enjoyment of visualizing food. And we will see how the Prophet ﷺ says, 
المؤمن يأكل في معن واحدة believer eats in one stomach والكافر يأكل في سبعة أمعاء that the disbeliever eats in seven stomachs and that actually refers to seven levels of enjoying food seven levels of enjoyment of food so desire makes man's life very miserable when his whole life turns and focuses around uh, around uh, that that desire in as as we said the world around us is full of things that sensationalize us uh, if you look at any advertisement or if you look at any billboard you can see the amount of sensationalization and addressing people's desires and people's physical mortal desire in order to to make the person think that if he doesn't fulfill this desire this will be the end of the world and the the, the issue with desire is that it's 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 not a new thing especially the desire of food it's as early as adam alayhi salam himself as we know that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the quran فَأَكَلَا مِنْهَا فَبَدَتْ لَهُمَا سَوْآتُهُمَا And this, this link between when they ate from it, their, their, their uh, private parts or their, their aura was shown to them or they, they became aware of their, of their uh, sexual desire. It is as if the link between both, between food and sexual desire has always been established since that day. فَأَكَلَا مِنْهَا فَبَدَتْ لَهُمَا سَوْآتُهُمَا As if the sawa or the sexual desire has always been related to food since these early days, since the time of Adam salam. In fact, there is something that is quite interesting that, uh, that we notice around ourselves, even in the world, in the, in the Western world, where uh, there is a lot of claims that, that women are very highly respected and uh, free and uh, independent and this and that. The usage of women in addressing man's desire in promotions and advertisements is quite, is quite shocking, right? The, 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 the usage of, 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 that, of, that, of that side. So, uh, what, for example, what's the point of, of bringing a beautiful woman in a promotion in order to promote something about food or in order to promote something about clothing or in order to promote uh, any, any other desire? What's the point of that? Unless... There is, there, is, there is something there. So this, this is turning human beings into selling objects. So it is as if the consumer himself is taken, the, uh, the consumer, the recipient of, uh, of, of, of that commodity who will be fulfilling his desire is receiving it through selling another human being. Selling another human being, turning human beings into, into selling objects. And we should also remember that at the Jal, towards the end of time, as the Prophet sallallahu uh, uh, predicted that at the jail will be coming to speak to desires and address the desires, and he will arrive at a time when people will be uh, giving complete importance to their own desires. Their main focus will be on their own desires, their own senses, so that when he presents things to them, if he presents a picture for them to them, uh, they will believe in it only because they can see it, only because they can feel it, only because they can touch it, regardless of anything else. So the challenge of the end of time is a challenge of will we believe our senses? And we will believe our senses when we empower them. As we will see later on, they, 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 were, they asked one of Salaf Salih, he, he was asked, like, at an old age, why do you still tire yourself? And he said, because this body, if I let it, it will be on top of me. If I let it, if I give it any food at this age, it will be on top of me. They said, even at that time? He said, yes, even at that time. So um, empowering one's desires, 
empowering one's senses automatically leads to switching off one's heart and one's soul, crippling it. Right? There is difference between al-jism al-latif and al-jism al-kathif. Like the heavy and the, and, the, and the thick and the dense body and the light body. And there is a, obviously there is a relation between a thick body and a thick soul. And a light body and a light soul. So empowering the body means dispowering the soul. And when we dispower the soul, people will be able to take uh, temptations so easily. They will be able to lose their faith so easily because they are empowering their desires more. And that's why they, they, when they said to Ibrahim ibn Adham, they said to him, people, uh, the, 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 the butchers in the city have, made the, have put the prices of meat very high. The, the, the butchers in the city have put the prices of meat very high. He said, make it cheap by leaving it. Just boycott it. Don't, don't buy meat. Say, decide, we don't want to buy meat. We don't want to eat meat. Then they will have to put it down. Now we can, when we, if we look around ourselves, we can see that the prices are going up all the time and people are still buying. So in, in reality, at Dajjal, when, that, that's because we place so much importance on fulfilling our desires. So at Dajjal will come and he will address the desires and when he addresses the desires, people will be running to him even, if, even though they might, some, some of them might realize that he's a liar. But not only you have to realize that he's a liar, but you have also to empower your soul in order to resist this uh, a temptation. You have to empower your soul in order to resist this temptation. We should not uh, forget, as, as we said, that, uh, that, that, that the, the hidden secret in man's relation with desire is that shaitan whispers to, to man, the, 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 the feeling of lacking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we, as we mentioned earlier, it is this desire that has made Adam and, and Eve lose their place in paradise. They were, ta- they were taken out of paradise. But when they, even though they had the, 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 the warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, qala, ya Adam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed Adam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advised him not to listen to the shaitan, but a shaitan did not address the direct desire of Adam. He addressed a need in Adam. قال يا آدم هل أدلك على شجرة الخلد وملك لا يبلى Shall I inform you about the tree of eternity and kingdom that does not stop? So he addressed this lacking. As the, the, the Imam al-Ghazali, Imam al-Ghazali mentions, he says, ألقى في خاطرهما He has put in their own thinking. And this is a very, very crucial statement because in reality, desires, if we, if, we, if we take desire as an abstract thing and look at it, it will not kill the person. In reality, it will not kill the person. But what makes you feel that you will die is just a thought. It's just an, uh, an assumption that if I don't get this or if I don't enjoy this or if I don't have this, that will be the end of the world. So in fact, this is where shaitan plays. He whispers to you, right? The, the, the shaitan comes into human beings by creating this feeling of lacking, the need to feel this lacking, ignites this need. In fact, this need is not an external need. It's an internal need. It's just a, a delusion. Remember what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said when he described the shaitan in Surah Al-Imran? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Zuyina linnasi hubbu shahawat. The love for desires has been beautified for people. In reality, the desire itself is really ugly. The fulfillment of it is really ugly. The fulfillment of it is really is something that people consider as awra. Like when you fulfill your sexual desire, or when you fulfill your food, the reality of it, the reality of eating, how food is processed in our bodies, the end, uh, pro- the end, the end product of the whole process of eating, is really is not is not is not a pleasant thing at all. But shaitan makes it so uh, beautified and so interesting and so attractive, so that you will go to it and you will you will have it and you will like it and you will attach yourself to it. So creating this need in man makes a person believe that his happiness is attached only in his ability to answer this need and fulfill this desire. So the issue is not in the desire itself, it's in making you feel the weight of the desire and that's, that's, the, that's the secret in your relation. The people who have managed to master their desires have managed to realize their they're lacking and that this lacking this feeling of lacking is just fake is just temporary it's like someone entering into a place that he has never been to before and he has this fear unjustified fear after some time after visiting that place for a few times this unjustified fear will go away but at the beginning you feel so so terrified because of this fear because this fear shows you a bit of lacking trust in this place. Same thing, when you have the desire, you have this lacking of trust in yourself. Will you be able to go through this? Imagine, for example, the month of Ramadan. That's a very, very simple and practical example. In the month of Ramadan, when we are before the month, just before the month of Ramadan, and we think about the hours of the, of the days of fasting, we think that this, this is going to be very long. We won't be able to go through it. It will be very difficult. We'll be very tired. We'll be very exhausted. And we will not be able to make it through to the, throughout the whole month. But the reality is, this is an unjustified fear. Possibly the first and the two days. Once you're able to go through this phase or through this stage, then everything else becomes easy. Why? Because you have managed to go through it. You have managed to go through it. And that's why the Prophet wasallam said that unless you're able to realize the fakeness of this lacking, you will become a victim of it. Unless you're able to realize the fakeness of this lacking, that is just a fake thing, it's just a fake feeling, just a fake feeling of thirst, just a fake feeling of hunger, just a fake feeling of, if I don't have this, uh, I will be miserable. This, it's, it's, it's a feeling, right? It's an emotional thing. And you have Iman, which is already established. Which one will be able to deceive the other? Which one will be able to deceive the other and take the place? It's a faith. You will believe that if you don't have this, you'll be miserable. And your belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if you restrain yourself, you'll be happy. These are two beliefs facing each other. One will have to occupy your heart for a second in order to decide whether you're going to fulfill the desire and lose the battle, or you will win your desire and you will not lose the battle. But one of them has to occupy your heart at one second. That second, you can call that moment, 
the moment of fulfilling or not fulfilling the desire. The Prophet ﷺ depicted this exact fight, this exact battle, and he said, "La yazni azani hina yazni wa huwa mu'min." Like when an adulterer commits adultery, he doesn't have faith. Why? Because at that moment, there is, his heart is occupied by another faith. His belief that if I don't fulfill this desire, I will not be happy. So this faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this belief in the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to leave and the other belief has to come in for a second to decide whether you are going to do it or you're not going to do it. After that, you wake up and you get your original belief again. It's just like a shock when you see someone or something for the first time. For one second, you lose your belief and then you come back to your senses. <laughs> In that second, what will happen besides the Prophet ﷺ, to, to approximate this example again, the Prophet ﷺ was passed, away, passed by a woman who was bewailing her son. She lost her child. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Amat Allah, be patient. Be patient, have patience and trust in Allah. And she, taken by her suffering, she said to the Prophet ﷺ, leave me alone, you are not going through what I'm going through. After some time, she kind of came to her senses. And they said, this was the Prophet who was talking to you. She, she came and she said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm sorry. Inshallah, I'll be patient. Inshallah, from now on, I'll be patient. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا الصَّبْرُ عِنْدَ الصَّلْمَةِ الْأُولَى Patience is at the first stroke of affliction. It's at the first point. When you are hit by an affliction or a disaster, that moment, you have two beliefs. Your belief that this is the end of life, or your belief that this is not the end of life. Sometimes your original belief stays, and you say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Then you're able to persist and continue. And your life, you have won that moment. You have won that moment. It is that moment. Our lives are based on these simple moments. These short moments. How do you end your life? It's a moment. How do you become patient in face of tribulation? It's a moment. Because in reality, after an hour or two hours, when you come back to your senses... You realize, you analyze. When you analyze, you realize that it was, it's not the end of the world. So what? So what will happen? Like I've lost this or this has happened. So what will happen? But that's when you analyze. That's not patience. The real patience, because this is an, an, a, a rational thing. It's a state of your mind. When you analyze, it's like someone has lost his business. Everything. And then after some time, he realized that, you know what? There is, some, there, is another, there is another sum of money in another bank and I can actually work on that. The time it took him to realize this, that's not, you cannot say this is patience. The real patience is the first stroke or the first hit of the affliction. Same thing. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you with a desire, it is that simple single moment in which you will either lose yourself or win yourself. After that, everything that follows is not an issue. Well, there is tawbah afterwards. But it is this moment. So the Prophet وسلم, and I, I posed a, a lot in front of this hadith and was thinking deeply about it. How did the Prophet said that when a, when, when, a, when a person commits adultery, he's not a believer? And yes, 
It is what shaitan makes him believe and trust. And how far you will go with that? Will this replace your original faith in Allah's reward? While you are on the shore, you know that Allah will give me this if I become patient. If I don't fulfill this desire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me this replacement. It is better that I, tr- uh, that, that I am patient and Allah will give me a replacement in the hereafter and this and this. and All of these things we say in the classes. But when things come to reality and you're faced by your desire, that's where you will either lose that moment or you will, then, or you will win that moment. So shaitan has played on Adam salam, even though Adam salam had a long warning that listen, don't listen to the shaitan. How, how long has been the, 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 the enmity of shaitan to Adam salam before, before that? It started from day one. وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمْ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ But when Allah addressed the angels to prostrate to Adam, from day one, Iblis from moment one, Iblis refused to prostrate to Adam. It's an open enmity. And he tried his best to mislead Adam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is your adu, this is your enemy. And repeated that even after that, after misleading Adam and making him eat from the forbidden tree. But what was the point? Shaitan had to, to, to swear to Adam السلام, that what I'm telling you has nothing to do with our enmity. He swore to both of them. I'm advising you. I'm not your enemy here. I'm advising you. Now sometimes a person whom you know is misleading you will swear to you by Allah that look, yes, I know that you realize I'm your enemy, but in this I'm not your enemy. I just want the khair. I want the, the goodness for you. So you know that someone is trying to take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at that point he will swear by Allah, he will use what you trust. He will use what you trust to mislead you. Why? Because he has no ethics. He has no boundaries. His main aim is to mislead you. So you will either have this absolute trust or this absolute distrust. This absolute trust and this absolute distrust. And a lot of people nowadays are falling into, into this trap. So this is, we need to unlock this, uh, this link between desire and man in order to understand how does man fall into the trap of desire. So why, why the desire for food is so dangerous? You know, some people say, this is, this is simple. Like, does it really need a, a one-day course to talk about what we eat every day? Why is it so dangerous? Why is it so important? One, what is more dangerous is what you get without thinking. Answering the, the desire for food, the desire of the stomach, is a habitual thing. It's a daily thing. It's something that you do every day. And because you do something every day, you neglect it. You neglect its danger. It is like what we, what we, what we call... You know, when people have a belief, when there is a common belief, and this belief has been established for years, if not even years, for centuries, challenging that belief becomes very, dif- becomes very, very difficult. Like, you will find that changing what people have been accustomed to is very difficult. Even if what you are saying is right. 
They said that one of the uh, scientists had to inject himself with certain type of bacteria to prove to other scientists that this type of bacteria causes stomach ulcers. And they believed that no, no way. Galileo had to face a lot of challenges to prove to people that it is the sun that is in the center of the, of the galaxies. Why? Because people believe in what the Quran described as Inna We have found our, our forefathers on a belief. So when, you, when people take food, like obviously people understand that we cannot live without food. It's something that, is, that's, that we do every day. It's not very, very important. It's, it's something we take it for granted. It's not a real desire. A desire is something that you plan for it. But in reality, you actually plan for food. It occupies a big space in our minds without us thinking. You know, everyone in Britain was busy with the, the great British Bake Off, isn't it? But that's, it's, it's a food show, right? There, so as, as I said before, food is not, is not only about eating, it's not only the time. Of, of eating something, and we will see inshallah ta'ala throughout the, the, the day, that the whole point is not renunciating food, is not leaving it completely. The point is neutralizing it, in putting it in its real place. That whether there is food or there is no food, I will just eat what is, what's there. The Prophet sallallahu as described in the Shama'il, he used to eat whatever is available. If there is food, he will eat. If there is no food, he will say, I'm fasting. And he, in, in another hadith, he used to love the remains of the food, what remains in the plate. He would love it. Why? Because he's not full, he, his food is not, does not occupy a big place in his mind. And the second thing is that most of the problems of, of the world today come relate to, to food. From hunger and starvation and famines and obesity, the other extreme. So there are nations that are starving and they don't have access to food. And there are nations that are obese and they, co they complain of the larger percentage of people who are overweight. If you just look at the programs of weight loss and living healthy and, and all of this, you realize how does food actually decide loads of other things in our life. And cancer, that is directly linked with food, blood pressure, diabetics, and all of these things that are directly uh, related to food, then you realize how dangerous it is. And number three, that is actually the fountain of all other desires. As Imam al-Ghazali himself mentions in Ihya, and he says, This is the fountain of all desires, and it's the stem of all diseases. Because once the person eats a lot, then what follows is the, desire, the sexual desire to follow. And there is a desire of having many types of food and having a diversity of food on, on, your, on your table and on your fridge. And that will require expansion in wealth, having to earn more in order to be able to fulfill that. So, and all other related expansions. Like you have one fridge, you need a fridge and a freezer, and you need two fridges, you need this, you need that. And then this will lead, you have more in your house, 
that will lead to hatred and envy. Because people visit each other, people intermingle with each other, and they see what others have. So they, they, they dislike each other, and they will envy each other, and that will lead to committing crimes. Stealing will, com will lead to committing crimes, injustices, and indecencies. So, in fact, the desire of food just lets shaitan into the realm of man, into the life of man. It is the biggest challenge facing humanity at the end of times, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned as well, that towards the end of time, the challenge of faith will be a challenge related to food, that there will be very limited resources, that the fight at the end of time will be fight on resources, that people will not have access to food. There will be big fight. And that's why the real challenge of the coming years is a challenge of going back to agriculture. Because manufacturing things and trade are based on agriculture. And trade and manufacturing are to, to fulfill consumptive customers, those who want just to consume. While agriculture and growing and breeding your own food, as the Prophet ﷺ advised many of the Sahab, that towards the end of time, you should grow your own food. You should grow your own food. And now we can see that cheating is in food. All of these added uh, chemicals and, and other things that harm the, the, the life of man is related, is related directly to food. And also, it shows like that, that how, how our cultures focused around food, competitions for cooking, cooking competitions, displays, food displays, right? food days, different shows are launched to beautify the food. Not just to, to fulfill, sometimes you ask yourself, all of these food competitions, where are the outcomes of them going? Like who's actually eating what is being cooked? Like do people really, so cooking just for the sake of cooking is a fashion. So to not just eating, it is beautifying the food in our, in our minds and in our eyes and creating this feeding, this need that we need to love food, that we need this, that we need that. Giving too much time thinking about it. So the Imam Rahimahullah Ta'ala says that a seeker to Allah, a traveler to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala needs to be truthful in his seeking. La buddha min irada. If you really want to travel to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you call yourself a murid, then you have to be truthful. You have to be truthful in seeking. And if you want to be truthful in seeking, the sign of that is preparing yourself. It's getting ready. Getting ready for the troubles and the temptations. If you claim that you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you want to travel to Him, be expect a lot of temptations and expect a lot of barriers that will come to and try to impede you. When a man said to the Prophet ﷺ, I do love you, O Messenger of Allah, he said, take glad tidings of poverty. You will be poor, you will be tested by that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If you claim that you are a believer, you will have to be tested. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test to show you not to show himself, to show you whether you're truthful in that or not. So a seeker needs truthfulness in seeking. 
and the sign of truthfulness being prepared and being ready. How do you, be, how do you become prepared? By continuously being in a state of obedience. And obedience requires, requires consistency. And consistency means to abandon bad company because bad company will try to take you away from your day-to-day program of disciplining yourself, which means that you have to realize the state of yourself and to discover your own defects and your own diseases. And to discover your own defects and your own diseases, you require the company of a righteous guide, a murshid, or someone who tells you what are the problems of yourself. And the company of a righteous guide means giving that righteous guide priority over other engagements. It's like someone who has a medical problem. He definitely needs, first of all, to give up everything that is adding to his illness, that is contributing to the deterioration of his health. And then... He has to, obviously, he has to stop all the habits that will deteriorate his health. And then he has to go and find a doctor, a medical doctor to treat him. And in order to benefit from the company of this doctor, you need to give him priority. You need to visit him regularly. If he tells you to do something, you have to obey him. You have to listen to him in these matters. So giving him priority over other engagements, which means that you have to repent from heedlessness, that you have become in a state of awareness which requires cutting off the desires and detaching oneself from what you are normally attached to. If you really need medicine, and if you really need healing, if you really need spiritual healing, you need to cut yourself from your adat, from your habits. And this is the most difficult thing. Ibn Atayla secondary mentions that adat is the biggest challenge that faces man. لا تستقيم العبادات إلا بترك العادات he says, لا تستقيم العبادات إلا بترك العادات. Actions of worship, rituals, acts of worship will not be consistent until you give up your habits. What you're accustomed to. A lot of people complain they are unable to commit to a daily word of the Quran. They are unable to commit to mourning this and this and that. It's basically because you have certain habits. And that's the biggest challenge. How can you give up your habits? How can you give up your food habits? How can you train yourself? One of the simplest things that people need to, to think about is, for example, if someone tells you that cancer and sugar are very related, like the amount of sugar and, and, and carbohydrates in your body contribute to the higher possibility of having cancer. And then you, they say to you that the best thing is to cut on your sugar. Well, it is, it is a tough challenge to stop having sugar in your coffee, to stop having sugar in your tea, to stop having sugar completely. Why? Because everything will become very distasteful when you start that. Why? You've been accustomed to that throughout your life, right? So, which requires cutting off the desires and detaching oneself from what you are normally attached to. And the first thing that you need to detach yourself from is food. And you have to do that moderately, as Imam al-Ghazali said, because you might be, you are already extreme. If you go to the other extreme, you will go back to it in a very extreme way. So this was the introduction to speaking about uh, 
the merits of hunger as Imam Al-Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala will explain them in the coming session. Inshallah. I've got questions, you know, I've got questions down or should